You are listening to the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Podcast with John Pemba and Andrew Cooper. What's going on, FA Nation? John Pemba here with Andrew Cooper. Welcome back to the Quick Out Fantasy Football Podcast Week Four matchup preview here. Coop, it's been a, it was an interesting Week Three. It's been an interesting season so far, but we have our first. London slate of games here on week four. We have a lot of headlines and stories from this past week to get to, man. How are things working out for you this week? Good. I mean, week three weeks is a to me is a real sample size. One week is nothing. Two weeks is like a 50-50. You never know. But three weeks now we've seen kind of at least the guys that had one good game, we know now, right? Whether it was the first week, the second week, even the third week. But, you know, you got a couple guys that at least have two good games under your belt and you could start feeling good about it. We have some trends going so it makes our lives a lot easier as we go on. But again, in fantasy football, it's fleeting like that. Like you can't get too many losses under your belt. So winning week four and moving forward is big. And we should get into it right now and just crush it. Yeah, let's go. We got so week four. We got a big slate of games to go talk about here. A Thursday night football, Miami Dolphins, Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals are a four point home favorite. 47 and a half game total here. Does it surprise you at all to see Miami as a road underdog here is that maybe an indication on Tua at quarterback this week at all he was banged up a little bit obviously able to come back into the game on Sunday now you're hearing that he's dealing with a couple of different ailments and maybe some after effects of that non-concussion apparently even though he was clearly knocked for a loop there what are your thoughts in this matchup Bengals coming off of a win against the Jets last week Miami sitting at three and out yeah, see, we see the, uh, the line is, has moved a little bit. Like at first, it was closer to even. Now, I think it was minus one when it opened, and then now it's at minus three and a half. So clearly, there's some sentiment there that has changed because Miami's been very good. The Bengals, not so good. But I think this is really, it's going to be a great game. And it's crazy to think the people who watched football five years ago to think the Dolphins and the Bengals would be a good matchup. But it's a great one for Thursday. So I don't know. I'm, I, think, I think the Bengals have a shot to win here at home. I don't think it's set in stone that the Dolphins are going to be this wagon or this unbeatable team. But I don't know, John, do you think that the line should be a little closer towards favoring the the Dolphins than it is? I mean, I feel like the Dolphins, I mean, I feel like the Dolphins coming off that win against Buffalo last week, their defense held strong again against a really good offense in, in my, in Buffalo rather. We've seen that Joe Barrow still really can't be protected. That offensive line having problems, Joe Mixon hasn't really gotten off to a good start this season as well when it comes to running the football. I do worry a little bit. Obviously, the talent at wide receiver is still very much there. Tyler Boyd had a monster game. Shout out to you, best ball players that grabbed Tyler Boyd. Yeah, yeah, you got yourself a wide receiver one for a week out of him. That pretty much pays off his value for you. Higgins and Chase are still going to eventually have their, their days as well. Higgins was pretty solid last week. Chase, not one of his best performances, but... You know, it feels like there's a lot of inconsistency still for this Cincinnati team. So to be uh, be moving up the board like that as a favorite over a Miami team that's looked really good through three weeks, I think is a little bit surprising. I know they get the home bump, so it's more of like a one-point spread if there was on neutral site. But still, I feel like I would maybe give Miami a nod as a favorite. Yeah, I think so. The projected injury report, again, they have to come out with them for the Thursday game, but they don't practice on Mondays. It's just kind of the way it works. It's a protocol type thing of having a Thursday game. And so they kind of project who wouldn't have practiced. And the list had some pretty big names on it. I mean, Tua back slash ankle, Toronto Armstead with a toe, Xavier Howard groin slash glute and Jalen Waddle listed with a groin. So maybe it's maybe they're just, there's some precaution there and the books are kind of sliding that way. 
Yeah, certainly possible. So some interesting things to watch there. Running back situation for Miami last week. Neither Mostert or Edmonds had much success running the football, but Edmonds did have two rushing touchdowns last week, which we don't really consider him to be sort of that guy that gets the goal line or red zone work, but he did score twice on the ground against Buffalo. So something to continue to watch there because the week prior, Mostert had, was the lead carry man on that offense So against Baltimore. So that's certainly, again, something to pay attention to when it comes to this Miami Dolphin offense. Super annoying split, really, because Chase Edmonds started, but Raheem Mostert actually played more snaps, got more carries, played more pass plays. Like it was 24 to 19, so it was close, but it split right down the middle, which is not what you want to see. I mean, you would ideally you want to see one guy getting all the snaps, right? Like Joe Mixon played 45 snaps. These guys split them 24-29. Second best is when you know one guy is going to skew running, one guy is going to skew passing, so you can kind of try and anticipate game script. The worst to me is when it's just split down the middle and it's hot hand and who knows. So I really don't like it. But if it's all you have, at least the offense is good. I mean, the worst possible thing could be a split down the middle on offense that's bad. So, right. Yeah, uh, I, I, I agree with you 100% there. Thursday, uh, sorry, Saturday football here. Saturday football, Minnesota Vikings against the New Orleans Saints. Neutral side game in London here. The Saints getting two and a half points starts at 9 30 a.m eastern what are your thoughts on this matchup here yeah i mean the big question is for me dalvin cook right and the saints themselves actually have some injuries as well but if dalvin cook can't go then alexander madison is in a position to crush but you know if you live on the west coast you're gonna have to set your lineup the night before or you're gonna have to wake up because that game starts early right it's gonna be starting like six in the morning for you six thirty in the morning for you so keep an eye on that they say he's gonna play with a brace but how effective he will be. And if he can play the whole game, you never really know. He played so. with a brace a couple of years ago, if I remember correctly too, didn't he? Yes. And some, well, that's the thing is that if sometimes you look at it and say, Oh, I played with a brace a couple of years ago, I should be fine. And then you go out there and you're like, Oh wait, this isn't the same as it was last time. Right. And they play only a couple snaps. So if he's active, I'm starting him. It's Dalvin cook, but you just have to keep that in mind. Jefferson, I think he's going to bounce back. I, Adam Thielen and Jefferson are two guys that I'm starting pretty much wherever I have them. I drafted them at the spots I did to use them. Thielen scored this last week. I'm not too worried about Jefferson because Jeff Okuda has been kind of a beast. He yeah. couldn't play last year for the Lions, but when you search his name on Twitter, you start seeing that he held Devonta Smith to zero catches week one. Week two, Terry McLaurin, when facing just him, only had 22 yards and on the day had 75, which some a lot of that wasn't when Okuda was on him. And then, of course, this week he held Jefferson pretty low there. So I think that's more of the problem than anything. But you do, it does concern you when you draft a guy that high and he's run into matchup issues. These guys should be matchup proof. Now, Pumba, do you have any concerns with Justin Jefferson or are you just you no I don't have any concerns with him but you're right I mean listen after week one everybody's like yep this is exactly why he was going second overall the Jair Alexander's getting turned around Green Bay has no idea how to stop him and then yeah back-to-back weeks he runs into Darius Slay and Jeff Akuda, who again some of the potentially premier cornerbacks in the league we know Slay is Akuda was drafted was he like top five pick by the Lions so like he's a he's a guy that has that pedigree to be a shutdown corner now he goes into a matchup against the Saints, and he's going to have Marshawn Lattimore on him. So, like, is he going to win this matchup? That's a that's certainly a big question to try to figure out there. What are your thoughts on Irv Smith? I just, he's an injury away still for me. He's not playing enough snaps. I've looked at it, and if the snap numbers go up, then maybe he would get a little bit better, but he's still behind Thielen and Justin Jefferson. He falls into a big, to me, a glob of guys that if one person gets hurt, they become viable. Like right now, Zach Ertz, super viable with no DeAndre Hopkins and Gerald Everett with no Keenan Allen also viable. But when those guys come back, they go back in that group. 
Same thing with like Dallas Goddard. If someone were to get hurt, he would move way up. If someone were to get hurt on the Vikings, I move Irv way up. But for now, he's just kind of a boring touchdown or not type guy. Sure. Chris Olave, monster Star. week last week. There was a graph sent out the other day, or earlier today rather. Basically, yards per attempt for Jameis Winston is almost, last year's like 7.8. This year, it's like 11 point whatever. And Olave has been the primary beneficiary of that. He's the big downfield threat for this offense. Another first round wide receiver. I've talked about it. I've written about it more than a handful of times. This wide receiver draft class is redonkulous when it comes to first round talent drake london garrett wilson jahan dotson chris alave jameson williams hasn't even stepped on the floor yet and he might be the best of all of them like on the like this first round uh, group of receivers is pretty crazy alave finally shining finally getting an opportunity to play could be 2016 all over again man like if jameson williams comes like if odell beckham jr was a guy hurt that year and then he came back and ended up being a stud they were but you know meanwhile sammy Watkins had a great rookie year mike evans was going off it's like it could be just like that year here with this group and olave quietly week one led the team in snaps week two he was right there and then this week he led the team in snaps played 43 of 46 pass plays and james winston is a perfect guy to deliver on the ball yep. you know, he's a big strong arm, strong arm guy so olave i checked only in 66% of leagues. So you have to make sure you double check on that. A lot of times you read these waiver articles and they tell you to add like Russell Gage and Mac Hollins without realizing that some people have leagues that aren't as deep as everyone else's. Like that good guy could be floating around. He absolutely cannot be moving forward. You yep. got to get that guy. Alvin Kamara returned in week three after missing week two with the ribs. 15 carries, 61 yards. You'll take the 4.1 yards per carry average. He did have seven targets, which is great, but only two catches in this game. Five catches total now through the two games that he's played. Not what you're looking for out of those who drafted Alvin Kamara. And that's been the trend for a lot of these running backs, at least of late, that you took maybe for their pass catching upside or if you're an Austin Eckler, a manager, not getting any of the rushing upside. But these dual threat running backs that everybody was drafting, so far haven't been too dual threaty yeah they've, it's been rough but i'm not overly concerned about about kamara i mean like they the defensive i watched a bit of this game and from what i saw the defense did a good job using guys like shaq thompson even the free safety xavier woods coming up to try and take kamara out of the game especially with the injuries to jarvis landry and michael thomas kind of keeping them a little bit limited at times so i'm not overly concerned Alvin Kamara is a guy where you just start him every single week. You don't worry about it. I'm not trading him because you're not getting enough value back. That's the problem here is that like people are going to try and prey on you and take those players away for cheap. You just got to ride it out. If you want to sell Kamara, just wait for him to have one good game. Because if you look at a guy getting 15 reception, 15 carries and seven targets, he's going to pop at least once. So if you want to move him now is not the time to move him is when he pops one time. So keep that in mind. I would just keep rolling him out personally. But if you want to move him, don't sell low at this very moment. Yeah, no, for sure. Any other thoughts on this offense here? Anybody else, any interest for you? Yeah, if Jarvis Landry or Michael Thomas is out, then I'm interested in Juwan Johnson, at least in DFS, if not deeper leagues, just because he plays so much wide receiver. 76% of his snaps are played at wide receiver as is. And that's with Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, Olave. They're really essentially just rolling four wide receiver sets. That's what this team's been doing. Juwan Johnson is a converted wide receiver himself. So if any of those wide receivers miss time, now you've got a wide receiver who's playing wide receiver that you can start at tight end. So DFS consideration for sure. It depends who else you have if you're going to try and go there in a regular lineup. Yep. 
I agree with you on that one. Next matchup that we have here, starting the Sunday games, Cleveland Browns against the Atlanta Falcons here. Falcons getting a point and a half at home, 49 and a half. Game total, this game total's on the rise, started at 46 and a half. Now all the way up to 49 and a half. Atlanta finally picked up a win against Seattle and shocker to shocker. They used Kyle Pitts in that game, leading catchman in targets, receptions, and yards. Drake London found the end zone. Quarter up Patterson ran all over Seattle once again. Uh, second 100-yard rushing game for Quadrero Patterson through three weeks. Cleveland on the other side last week pulled off yet another win, this time over Pittsburgh. Nick Chubb having a, a solid game there. David Njoku breakout performance. Two teams I don't think we have a ton of overall interest in, but some fantasy-relevant players nonetheless. Yeah, fantasy is so funny like that because like you can be – and you can end up being right about the player or getting the right player even if you drafted him for the wrong reason. Like I looked at Cordell Patterson and I was like, you know what? This is a guy who at the very least is going to get a bunch of targets, be involved in the pass game, line up at wide receiver a bit. And now I'm sitting here and he didn't play wide receiver at all, got one target, but he's a full-on RB1 getting like 20 carries a game. So it's like I was technically right, but not quite. You know what I mean? Like it worked out, but not in the way that I figured. But hey, that's the way this game works sometimes, man. And he's proved to be a good player. We talked to from Dio Ledbetter this morning on the FYF morning show. And he says there's no indication whatsoever that they're going to go away from what they did with Patterson this week and what they did. He basically says that they, after three weeks, have decided that the offense is just going to run through three players, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, and Corgo Patterson. And that's just how they're going to do it. And if at some point the wheels fall off, they might pivot to bringing in Desmond Ritter or bringing in these other guys. But until then, this team's trying to win games still. So, and they, all their games have been close within four or five points. So, if you have those guys, you got to get them in your lineup because this team is competing. I mean, every one of these games is going like 50 point over under. They hit, they're hitting all the overs and the games are close. They're one and two, but go look at some of those game logs. Just barely losing some of these games. So, this team is scrapping. Yeah, do you believe in David Njoku's performance there in week three? So his, perf- I moved him down in my rankings last week after two weeks because he had been blocking on 17% of his pass plays. That's above the threshold. This week, they turned around and only had him block on two, ran 28 to 34 routes. He's worth adding, putting on your bench. And if you don't have, if you don't have anyone else that you trust, get him in there. But again, you just have to be wary that though in the weeks before that, he blocked on eight pass plays. So this week, take the 28 routes he ran, and it would have been 20. Not nearly as cool. So keep that in the back of your mind with Njoku. We still have low sample sizes. Two out of three games, usage was bad. This one, great. So could be matchup dependent. This is a good matchup, though, for that type of thing. So we'll have to we'll have to see. But he's second, the best type Second of big game out of Amari Cooper as well, by the way. So like Jacoby Brissett, not really limiting the Cooper experience. Oh, yeah. Amari Cooper's looked awesome. He looked, I mean, he had another big play there that just barely got knocked away that he could have had an even bigger day. So Amari Cooper's looked great. Donovan Peoples-Jones just kind of been out there. He got the big target yeah. game the first week since then. Yep. Seems like they're leaning into Amari. Joking. And the running game, for sure. Those two guys. Running game, like of the ball. Jacksonville, Philadelphia here. Eagles, six and a half point home favorite. 48 and a half game total. Jacksonville coming off now back-to-back wins one over the Colts and then one going into Los Angeles and just dismantling the Chargers Philadelphia 
absolute wagon. Jalen Hurts, another game over 330 yards passing, had three passing touchdowns in this one. Didn't even need his legs last week to uh, make an impact. Devonta Smith, after being shut down week one, everybody was all worried. Maybe it was Jeff Akuda because the next two weeks he's been unstoppable for opposing defenses. And now that is causing just a tremendous problem if you're a defense. Do you stop A.J. Brown? Do you stop Devonta Smith? And if you stop them both, Jalen Hurts is going to be running all over you. So how are you going about stopping this Philadelphia Eagles defense is a situation that the Jacksonville Jaguars defense is going to have to figure out this week. It's a huge problem, man. And Dallas Goddard quietly has like a 38% target share. He's right. out there running the route. So it's like they, they can get you from every direction right now. So, I mean, if it weren't for the Dolphins, I would say these are kind of the two hottest teams in football right now. You know what I mean? The Jags are kind of scorching. The Eagles are obviously awesome. So this might be the best game of the week, in my opinion. The over-under is pretty high. The Eagles are home, so they're favored pretty heavily. But I could see a world where the Jaguars win or at least cover. So for those betters out there, maybe sprinkle a little money on the Jags to cover here. Like the Jags' money line would be an interesting bet for sure. Yeah, Because yeah. if they're for real, then you're right. They certainly have a chance, I think, to pull this one off. Peterson seemingly has them playing some good ball. Their defense has been pretty solid. Again, last week, shutting down Mike Williams. He had that one touchdown catch early. did nothing afterwards. You couldn't run on them at all, all game. Eckler got nothing going. Did have some involvement in the passing game. Maybe Herbert was still a little bit banged up, but... That defense now, back-to-back week, shutting out the Colts the week prior, shutting down Jonathan Taylor in that running game as well. So something for sure to watch. And on their offensive side, I think a lot of people were surprised at the money that Christian Kirk got. He's been worth every penny of it so far. Wide receiver six so far on the season in the PPR formats the most of us play. He's been good, man. He's playing nearly every snap. 70 of 76 this week, which is beautiful. Beautiful. Yep. Now, Zay Jones, another name, going to be popular on waivers. Not as easy to start. Probably a guy I'd rather have on the bench just in case. You know I mean? Like, people this is forget. This going to be a very tough matchup for both of those receivers. They're, this is an elite secondary in Philadelphia. It's a, and the thing is, it's a target funnel, which is usually good for the tight end. And so Evan Engram is going to be in my DFS right up this week. That last week, he just faced, he's going to be low. He's going to have low ownership. Last week, he just faced Derwin James was a massive problem for tight ends he was the one that power bombed travis kelsey Kelsey. and yeah in week two held kelsey to 50 yards you know what i mean so they just decided to take him away but he's quietly run the he has the seventh best routes per drop back his target share is within the top 10 it's his target share is slightly better than kyle pitts and dallas goddard right so that's the kind of range he's in from that standpoint running decent eight out routes playing two-thirds of his snap at wide receiver he's in a position where he could go off at any week. He almost even had a touchdown that was that was a judgment call, not a touchdown this week. But again, just know what the floor is with a player like that. That's why it's more of a DFS play. I'm starting in some of my leagues, but you have to remember that this is a guy that could disappear at times, could drop balls at times. And they do like Christian Kirk and Zay Jones, right? Marvin yep. Jones is kind of not only did they pay Christian Kirk all that money, they gave Zay Jones eight million dollars guaranteed. So. All the money sometimes. Now, uh, I got to ask you, John, obviously, James Robinson, if you have him, you're starting him right now. Yep. He's playing really well. But Travis Etienne, where are you at with him? You're holding on? Yeah, you're still Any playing. World? I tweeted out sort of, again, just a little in jest, but, you know, maybe Travis Etienne is just a more expensive Tony Pollard after all. Now, I say that as Tony Pollard comes off of a 100-yard rushing game because <laughs> right. he broke a 46-yard run against the Giants. Etienne is very capable of that. I still think that's a good comparison when you're looking at the running back situations there where ATN and Tony Pollard 
similar skill sets. They're explosive backs if they get open in space a little bit. Their touches will be inconsistent game to game, though Pollard's touches are being more consistent by the week. And maybe that's what it takes for ATN to grow into this offense. He had, I think he had like 14 carries last week. Some of that maybe was in, it was in garbage time there. Uh, Robinson had 17 carries for the 100 yards, had the 50-yard touchdown run. Uh, and you're seeing ATN involved in the passing game. So I still find, think he's fine in PPR, but he's a flex player. But, you, yep. you know, we talk all the time, you have to ignore ADPs, but sometimes it's your roster doesn't look as good when your RB1 or RB2 that you took in the third or fourth round is now your flex. So you got to throw him out there. This could be a spot for him against Philly. If this ends up into a shootout or a game where Philly does pull ahead because that offense is just unstoppable, like ATN's probably going to be on the field because they need his pass catching ability. Yep. I think you're exactly right on that. And I would put him right in that group with Tony Pollard, Kareem Hunt, where you look at your lineup and you say, okay, at my flex, do I want to go with the guy that I know is going to get guaranteed touches in a Pollard or ETN or a Kareem Hunt? Or do I want to go with like a high upside, low floor play, like a wide receiver, like a Zay Jones or something like that? So you got to make that kind of got to make that call for yourself based on how you're feeling about your team, how you're feeling about your matchup. But if you're looking for somebody who isn't going to get you a zero and who is He's guaranteed touches. Yep. Unless he gets hurt, he's guaranteed touches. And you can't say that about a lot of the players we consider at the flat. Yeah, he's, there's he's, been a he's lot the, of guys that have gotten zero touches this year. Yeah, he's the running back that we like to talk that that has that have their own individual value. Like Alexander Madison is a handcuff who only has value if if Dalvin Cook gets hurt. Naeem Hines has value, but only in third downs, and it has to be the right game script for him. Kareem Hunt, Tony Pollard, Travis Etienne have their own individual value in their offense where they're going to get a, their their carries, their targets, their touches. Like That's just baked into the offensive game plan already for them. That's what annoys me about the you know, the using handcuff plus as a blanket statement. You know what I mean? Because like, people say it about Naheem Hines, like you said, but Naheem Hines doesn't take over the running down no, work. Yeah, three carries last hurt. week, right? Like, he's more of a, yeah, he's more of a satellite back than he is a versus ETN, who I think would take over the full role. Yes. Pollard would, Kareem Hunt would. So it's different. It's a different group. The true handcuff plus group are the guys that become the full-time back. And I think that's where ETN is. Yep, I agree. Next matchup, Chargers versus Texans. Damian Pierce had a really good week last week against Chicago. That passing offense struggled though in Chicago there. Cooks didn't get much going, did have the target share. Nico Collins still not really doing anything in that offense. Chargers, again, Keenan Allen is expected back this week. So that's a big boost for them. Last week, not a good week for them against Jacksonville. The rushing attack, though, is a problem. They talked to, there's a quote today from the Chargers head coach saying they need to start earlier with the running attack and get Eckler going. But through three games, Coop, Eckler's averaged three yards per carry or less in all three of those games. Saving fantasy managers the last two weeks with that pass catching involvement. But when a returning Keenan Allen, I don't know if those targets are all going to be there for him again like they had been when Allen out of the lineup. Yeah, it's bad, man. And I, Rashawn Slater actually left this game with an injury. I'm not, I, we have to keep an eye out, see if he's going to play. I mean, that would just be one more problem with this group that's had a lot of them if their left tackle can't go. I mean, that's what happens when you take two very young players and Slater and Zion Johnson, put them right in the offense here. But I mean, we'll have to see. I mean, they have to win this game. The Chargers absolutely cannot lose to the Texans here after the way they've started this season. So this is as must, from a real-life perspective, this is as must-win as it gets. For me, I'm starting Keenan Allen if he's playing. I'm starting Mike Williams. Gerald Everett becomes less exciting, but if you don't have better options, him versus the Texans, even with Keenan Allen back, 
It's not a bad play. It's just like start him, but try add like an Njoku or an Evan Ingram on your bench and try to catch a little more upside for down the road because Gerald Everett, week one, even though Keenan Allen got hurt, Keenan Allen played 22 snaps. He played a third of the snaps and Everett only had four targets in that game. It could be pretty bad for Everett when everyone's healthy. Yep. Just keep that in mind. On the Texans side, you starting anybody. You're starting Damian Pierce. You're starting yeah, Brandon Cook. Uh, so I'm still starting Pierce because you can run on this. This, is, this was a trend last season where you could run on the Chargers. And even though their defense got better, teams are still running on the Chargers. So I think, yeah, I think Damian Pierce is fine here. But this was the Rex Brookhead game last season. He ran all over the Chargers defense. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think you can start Damian Pierce here. I don't know about anything else, though. J.C. Jackson's still a really good corner. He's been shutting guys down. Cook's going to get all the target share, but I don't know if we can trust Davis Mills to connect. I will say the one advantage maybe they have is that they're home. The Chargers having to travel on the road, maybe that changes some uh, something. For whatever reason, those narratives exist. Some teams just don't travel well. Chargers always seem like a t- team like to me that don't really travel too well. So no. that's kind of where I'm at. But not a game that I have over, too much interest on the Houston side. Maybe when DFS prices and we take a deeper look, there'll be something that pops. But only five and a half points spread, I think is a little bit interesting there as well. Tennessee versus the Colts here. 43 game total. Colts are a three-point favorite. Indy did not look very good. Oh, sorry. Indy looked good a little bit last week. They managed to beat the Chiefs. Defensively, they're solid. Did not look good the week before against Jacksonville. Tennessee was a punching bag for two weeks and then goes and beats the Raiders last week. Two teams really struggling to hang on, I think, in this one. If Tennessee falls to one and three, they could be in trouble. If the Colts go down to one and two, that could be trouble for them as well. I don't really even know what I'm looking for here other than, like, I want to see more Traylon Burks, but, like, this isn't the matchup where Traylon Burks is going to likely find success really good cornerbacks in indy yeah these teams are not like not exciting and the crazy part is the afc south considered to be the least exciting division went three and oh last week against the afc west which everyone was really excited about like the they beat the chargers the was the was the other one the colts beat the chiefs yeah the, and, and the, the and, texans beat the bears and the texans no well it was the it was the uh, it was the other one the uh broncos oh no did they go three? Oh, they've gone three against them so far. Yeah. So yeah. So pretty rough. Oh no, it was the Jaguars beat the Chargers. They right. beat the bag out of the Chargers, thirty eight ten. So like, yeah, all three of those teams beat the uh, AFC West teams, which are supposed to be the exciting teams. Pretty wild here. But yeah, I mean, you're starting Derrick Henry everywhere. Obviously, I'm not starting. I have no. I don't have Ryan Tannehill anywhere, and I'm not really even thinking about that situation. Robert Woods, Traylon Burks, anything, John? Anywhere? Yeah, like I said, I think I'm going to still start Traylon Burks, but it's not a good spot for him. I like Traylon Burks better than... I like Traylon Burks in this matchup better than Robert Woods, who's probably going to get Stephon Gilmore. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, and... Terrible for... It's just, yeah, it's just not a good matchup for them, but I do like... I think Burks' talent just has to shine at some point. Something on that. Other side, I mean, Pittman and Taylor are the two obvious choices, and that's about it for me. You said it all, buddy. I know a lot of people are excited about Johnny Woods, but he played 16 snaps, only ran 12 routes. He scored two touchdowns. Very exciting. But it's more likely that he'll be OJ Howard from week one than he is to be this big breakout. If he comes out, so this week he played 16 of 71 snaps, which is virtually nothing. If he comes out and plays a 50% snap share this week, and it's actually showing a trend of increase in usage, I would rather him come out and play a 50% snap share this week and catch one pass than see him come out and play the same snap share but and catch a touchdown because that doesn't help us. We, we right. need consistency. So if you want to add him to your bench, go right ahead. Just know that like he didn't play. 
Like it was could have he very well could have scored two touchdowns because they looked at him and said this guy isn't a threat. It's the OJ Howard, like he played six snaps and scored two scores. Exactly. It's the same thing. Like he snuck out. Now, could it be a sign of things to come? Maybe, but you can't put him in a lineup. Don't I just it. remember when the preseason they talked about him, they said like he wasn't really ready to be a, a pass catching tight end. He's just they liked him as a blocker, like the right. Moali Cox style role. And that's why we like Granson. But obviously that hasn't come through for us yet, so something to continue to bear is watching there. Uh, I don't have any interest in any of the secondary pass catchers, Doolin, Campbell, none of those guys pop for me. So Pittman and no. Taylor about it. Washington, Dallas here. Dallas giving three and a half. Dak Prescott potentially back this week. Michael Gallup expected to be back this week. For Dallas, Zeke Elliott looked good last night against the Giants. He had that 27-yard run. But Tony Pollard obviously was the bigger playmaker in that game. The 42.5 game total seems pretty low to me, given the fact that Washington's been giving up a lot of points. What are your thoughts in this matchup? The Dallas defense continues to wreak havoc as well. Yeah, so to me, what Dallas is now, this situation reminds me a lot of Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler, where... They're just, especially towards the end there, where or just the entire way it's transitioned is that like it was the Melvin show with Eckler as the other guy. And then now they're finding certain situations where they just straight up prefer Tony Pollard and they happen to be the ones that are kind of get him into more open space and, and let him use his explosiveness. And that's what we saw with Eckler. And then eventually they were like, okay, you know what? We're just transitioning to this player. That I think that's what we're seeing here where it's like they still like Zeke for his pass blocking, and they still like him for his uh, short yardage, which is what Melvin did better than Eckler for a long time there. So that's what it's going to be. And they're both startable in the right spots. Like if I, if you're, if you have Zeke Elliott, you have to have him in your lineup because he's getting the carries and he's scoring the touchdowns. And then Tony Pollard, you have that same decision you have with ETN and Cream Hunt, where it's like, do I have just straight up better players? Or do I want to go with the safe guy? And you should be able to look at your own team and know that. But if not, hit us up on Twitter at Coop A Fiasco at JMPemba777. And we'll help you out with that. Or hit us up with the morning show on Sunday morning, 9 to 11 on F out the, on better the better, sports. yeah, better, better sports network, B E T O R. There's a lot of ways to ask us if you don't know. You know what I mean? And yeah. we'll, we'll tell you exactly what we would do in our leagues. I will say that uh, I thought it was interesting last night when Jason Peters finally got into the game, he immediately opened up a hole that you could drive a truck through. <laughs> and Tony Pollard breaks it off. And then they run Zeke Elliott right right behind them once again, opened up another big hole. That could be a difference maker now for that offensive line. If Peters gets in there and is healthy enough to play enough snaps or rotations or whatever at that guard spot, and he just starts opening a hole. This is a Hall of Famer, right? Like a future mm-hmm. Hall of Fame offensive lineman. And he comes into a game and all of a sudden they run behind him and just two big plays happen. So something certainly to watch for that line. CeeDee Lamb, big game, even though he had some drops there. Noah Brown, his value could be coming to an end shortly if Gallup does come back and after a week or two gets a full snap share. And in the Dak Prescott, obviously we have to see if he's healthy enough to play. This week he thinks he's going to be. On the Washington side, they had a tough matchup last week against Philly. Didn't really get much going for a while there. Now they have another tough matchup against the Dallas defense that is sacking everybody. They're turning the ball over again with that secondary. This could be another long day for Carson Wentz and friends. Yeah, the Cowboys, I, last year, I looked at what they did, and I was like, no way they repeat this. Like their defense and special teams scored like nine touchdowns. They had a ton of turnovers. But, I mean, geez, Demarcus Lawrence with three sacks. Micah Parsons is an animal. Micah Parsons is a freak of nature, man. That guy should not be that big and move that fast. He's crazy, dude. He's a real problem. And I think that it's going to be a long day for J.D. McKissick or whoever they're going to have do most of the pass blocking. I know that Gibson's been pretty bad at it in the past. I felt so bad for Matt Breida last night. They threw Matt Breida out there 
and he was just getting blown up on pass protection. Like, yeah. He's yeah. outmatched. It's, it's, it's a serious problem. <laughs> the good thing with the Washington offense is that uh, Ron Rivera, going back to his time with the Panthers, is not afraid to use the same 11 guys like every play. Right, so it's Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel, Logan Thomas. Like those are the guys that are playing the vast majority of the plays. But the running backs rotate the way we know they are. But we know what the rotation is. Gibson is the the rundown back, McKissick the pass down back. That's just the way it's going to be. So at least we know that. So throw roll those guys out, McLaurin, Dotson, Samuel, as you see fit. You know where you need them. Logan Thomas, he's not back up to his hundred percent snap share yet. So I'm still stashing him just to hope he gets to that point. Now I don't really trust him as much as I normally. Yeah, for sure. The targets have been there for him the couple weeks prior. Again, last week, tough week Not uh, as good, for yeah. everybody in, in that offense. Chicago Bears going into New York to face the Giants here. Giants took their first loss last night. Chicago sometime, somehow 2-1 and one, despite their offense just being abysmal. And David Montgomery now we think is likely not going to play in this game. Do you consider day-to-day? I guess we'll have to monitor the status. Clearly Herbert steps in. Monster day against Houston, which is disappointing. David Montgomery was the highest rostered player in DFS last week because everybody loved that matchup against Houston so much. He goes down early. The backup goes for 150 and two scores. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Any signs of life for you out of Mooney or Komet after last week? I mean, this is just, this is the craziest part of this matchup is that one of these teams is going to be three and one right after this week. <laughs> like what is going on? They're going to be one, the, the worst three and one team of all time. Whoever wins this matchup. Right. So and it should be know. the giants. It should be the giants. It, it should be, dude. but like, here's the crazy part about uh, the crazy part about Cole Komet is that when you look at some of the underlying numbers for tight ends, like we like to look at how many routes they're running per drop back, right? Cole Komet is sixth in that stat. Like, top, like ahead of Pitts, Waller, like all these big names, Fryermuth, Hawkinson, Goddard, you name it. Like he's way up there, but they're running. They only have 67 dropbacks. The Jets have dropped back 173 times. And the Bears have dropped back 67. And even with 67 dropbacks, Fields is only actually throwing it 45 times. It's insanity. How Like there's, they're on pace for only like 250 pass attempts, which is, it can't possibly happen. It can't possibly happen without the quarterback being benched. So you can't possibly start Mooney or Komet, but throw him on the bench. I mean, if you have to drop him, drop him. That's where it's at. This team is that bad. Yep. But, I mean, like, the underlying numbers, like, even Komet has, like, an 11% target share because he has, like, a couple targets on a team that only throws a handful of times. It's insane. It's messing up my graphs. It really is, <laughs> this whole thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, a dude has the 11% of 40 targets, and it makes it seem like he's – actually doing something when that's five targets like it's messing up all my numbers here this team being a fake football that's why context is everything it's like a completely fake football team when you look at it he's playing wide receiver all these snaps his ADOT is 9.44 yards because one of his five targets was like a 30 yard interception (laughs) and that's you know what I mean it's like uh just completely ridiculous it's a sample size argument but we're three weeks in where sample size shouldn't really matter as much and all of a sudden exactly exactly but it's like the thing is if they do turn around and become a real football team then the like the like the routes per dropback. I mean, those numbers are consider those numbers are sticky. Like he's yeah. running seventy five percent of them, and there's no reason why he would run less if they actually did throw it more at some point, in which they are going to have to. Yeah. Like you can't just go through the whole year doing what you're doing. Then on the Giants side of the ball, what a big mess. I mean, Saquon Barkley, awesome RB one, yeah. and yeah. you're happy with that. But beyond that, what a RIP our sweet Prince Sterling Shepard. My dude, what the guy tears an ACL running in this jogging in a straight line. I've never seen it happen in my entire life. It's insane, man. Only to this player, only to this one guy, dude. Where he, he comes he, back from a Achilles, <laughs> looks great. Like 
He wasn't even running full speed. He wasn't cutting. He was literally slowing down his route, jogging in a straight line, somehow snaps his ACL. I don't know. They, I, it just doesn't make any sense. He tore his Achilles, and they they went out, paid Kenny Galladay, drafted a guy in the first round, went out and drafted Wandell Robinson too, asked him to take less money, which he agreed to. Then he comes back, and he's the only dude playing hard, playing all these snaps, doing anything. And then this happens. It's like, dude, the guy cannot catch a break. Yeah, can't catch a break. So now that he's gone, Richie James has been the leading target guy on this roster. I don't know how much you believe in Richie James at this point, but somebody else now has to step up. Kenny Galladay looked horrible last night. He dropped two of the targets that he got. Tony's been out. Wandale Robinson's been out. Some- if you want to throw a name into you. your into a DFS lineup that no one's going to play except Sil- for David Sills in the yeah, lineup. Sil- yeah, because yeah. he's playing the snaps, man. He's playing the snaps, and every once in a while, he gets a look like that's the guy. That's the guy that's sneaking out there. Daniel Bellinger is the starter, but they're using another tight end. This guy Tanner Hudson. I to tell you the truth, I don't know too much about Tanner Hudson. He's not. He hasn't really been on my radar, but he's basically doing being like the Anthony Ferkser, Cameron Brait type guy. He played 27 snaps, but he ran 24 routes on those. So they're using him exclusively to run routes, which is kind of sapping. Our Bellinger played 43 snaps, so almost double Tanner Hudson, but he only ran 25 routes, one more than Hudson. If you were to take all that work and give it to Daniel Bellinger, he could be a super viable tight end, but they're just not doing it. And so it's just, unless that changes at some point, none of those guys are startable. Right. Next matchup here, we have the Seattle Seahawks versus the Detroit Lions. Detroit's an interesting spot here because DeAndre Swift expected to miss time. Amon Ross St. Brown is day-to-day with an injury there. Seattle, we know their defense has not been very good. There's no Jamal Adams. Offensively, Tyler Lockett's looked pretty okay, but that's inconsistency outside of that. This game is a 50-game total, though. So, like, I don't know. Are you buying into Josh Reynolds this week if Amon Ross St. Brown can't go? With no Jamal Adams, we finally have a big TJ Hawkinson game here. Does DJ Chark break through? Where are you looking in this game? Because with a 50-game total... Somebody has to be productive here. Yeah, I mean, I could see Craig Reynolds and Jamal uh, Williams. And Jam- Craig Reynolds and Jamal Williams both having good games. I guess DJ Chark, but like I don't know. So it'll be it should be DJ Chark, Josh Reynolds, and then my guess would be Cleef Raymond as the other as the he seems like more of a slot type guy than Quintez Cephas from just checking their alignment and stuff. So I think Craig Cleef Raymond's your crazy DFS dart throw, but I don't know. I like Chark best of those wide receivers when doing anything. TJ Hawkinson could definitely pick up a lot of those targets over the middle though so i can sense back on the menu if i'm on raw's out and and swift is out so yeah that's uh, that's all i'm looking at it anybody on seattle side i dude i mean with that over on i mean with that's what i'm saying like they're saying points someone's gonna score points four and a half game total and a 50 over under they're telling us points are being scored here where are they coming from yeah dj i mean it's metcalf lockett penny who does akuda get does he get metcalf or lockett probably gets metcalf well, I don't know, man, because he played on a Devonta Smith. He played Plus Jefferson. A, he played Smith. Played Jefferson and Smith. He played yeah, McLaurin, so he, I guess. At times. He probably gets Metcalf, man. He probably gets Metcalf, which, yeah, maybe. And then Will Disley and Noah Fant are splitting right down the middle, which is horrible, dude. Noah Fant ran 23 routes. Disley ran 20. But Disley got more targets. Just awful setup there. Like, this game is set up to be – there's points somewhere, but – it's it's too messy i wish it was like wish it was like the vikings or somebody where we knew where it was definitely gonna go but i mean it's probably deke it's probably lockett lockett and penny if you're gonna go somewhere lockett's had lockett's had some pretty good games of late for this team and that was the one thing 
when we when it was announced that Gino was the quarterback last year, Lockett and Gino had some good games together. Back to back weeks now for Tyler Lockett, nine catches each game. He had 107 yards against the 49ers, 76 yards against the Falcons. You know what? He's startable in all formats, obviously. And I think he's more than a flex. He's working his way with those numbers and full PPR as like a wide receiver too right now. Yeah, yeah. Just no. Just, I mean, you're starting Lockett if you have him and probably Metcalf too. You can't back-to-back 11 target games. You can't not start him. I'm just saying, just know that they could. Look they at those completion this- percentages for Gino. Like, I'm saying they got this guy, Jeff Okuda, and yeah, they fair. decided to take away One Devonta guy, Smith yeah. instead of A.J. Brown. Like, and so it's they could make that call on you. No, it's just true. Know that that's within the range of outcomes. I just I look at Geno Smith and see 82, 80, and 72% completion percentages through the first three games, and I'm like, this is Geno Smith? It took him Go 10 on. years to be the guy everybody the Jets thought they were drafting, I guess. So, yeah. Get so, him in there. Get him in there. Speaking of the Jets, they're on the road against Pittsburgh this week. Steelers giving three and a half. A 40 and a half game total. Last week, the story was Brees Hall eclipsing Michael Carter in terms of snaps. Got a big usage in the passing game. But Zach Wilson is expected to be back for this week. What are your thoughts there with the Jets on the road against this Pittsburgh defense? The Jets offense is completely unsustainable. There's They're on pace to shatter the pass attempt record by well over 100. Like it, They've thrown 100. They're averaging over 50 passes a game. They've thrown like 150 something. Yeah, Flacco's just back there slinging it. They can't keep doing it. I keep saying that. I've said that three weeks in a row now, and three weeks in a row, they've dropped back 60 times. He's throwing 50 something passes. So maybe they can, but I don't know. They're due for a game where they, you know, they just either get crushed or what if they actually just win a normal game and they don't throw 60 times? So uh, I don't know. I don't trust it long term. And I like, I don't trust Tyler Conklin. If Tyler Conklin isn't really like jumping off the page on a team that's thrown 150 times, then you can't get excited about what they look like when they regress to the Those mean. target shares though, man. But it's not even that good. His target share isn't even that good. Like it, it he's gotten a lot of targets, but where is he here? 21 targets out of yeah, three, seven targets a game on average. 21 targets out of 156 though. It's actually not a big share of the targets. Sure, not a big share, but of the volume. Like you said, it's unsustainable volume. Tom Brady did throw 700 times last season, though. But I'm just saying, if they do plan to let Wilson throw a lot, then sure, he could have a 18% target share. But if 18% of 50 is still eight targets a game, that's how more than most tight ends are getting. Tom Brady threw like 700 times, but the Jets are on pace to throw like 900. It's 884 that they would be on pace for it's just they can't it can't but maybe but maybe uh, maybe but it can't the thing with conklin is that like you when you look at the snaps underneath he's blocking on 10 percent of his pass plays he doesn't play wide receiver 3.9 yard average depth of target which is nothing and then his target share is only it's like 13 percent, which is fine but like in a normal game which the jets have not had a normal game and the bears have not had a normal game some of the games are going to be in the middle of these crazy games you know what i mean so that's what concerns me Right, let's, talk about, let's talk about the, the real pass catchers then. Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, Corey Davis. Anybody interest for you there? Now, did Garrett Wilson get banged up? I saw he left the game with something. I don't know. That's a good question. I thought just speculate. I didn't see that if he did, but let's see. Left the game, briefly came back. Okay. okay. I, was so say, okay. I, didn't, I didn't hear anything major on him there. So. No, I saw him leave the game, but he came back. Looks like it was ribs or chest or something. Okay. So he'll be he, if he came back in the game. You assume that he, he so you're rolling wherever you were rolling out Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson before. You continue to do that. Like if this team is going to be crazy gung ho gunslingers, then you got to do it. Yeah. Uh, with the running backs, 
Uh, Brees Hall, Michael Carter, again, because this team is running so many snaps, it's insane that they both look like they're sustainable. Do you think that's the case? Brees Hall is getting more of the pass work, Michael Carter more of the run work. Is so, one I'm surprised like that it's that rotation. It should be the other way around. My right. one concern was that last year, Zach Wilson did not throw the running backs. Once they once he came back from injury and White was taken out, they didn't throw to Carter anymore. They didn't throw to any of the running backs anymore. So like, I wonder if Wilson is going to utilize the running backs in the passing game the way Flacco did this season. Because that's, that's something to watch. Because last year, that wasn't the case. Wilson did not throw the running backs. Nobody wants to see Zach Wilson. I'll say that right now. Well, like, <laughs> uh, the Jets used the, was just it the more second fun. pick on him last year. So they got I know. Yeah. Jets fans want to see him. It's more fun watching Joe Flacco just chuck it for fantasy football. It is. Because it's a fantasy football podcast. I want to see Joe Flacco just firing it around. Right. You know? But, uh, anybody on Pittsburgh for you? I mean, Fryermuth, yeah, a couple catches does. last week. Claypool, a couple catches. Claypool is settling in to be the. Week one, we had six targets and six rushes. That was exciting. But he said six targets each of the games moving forward. Not as exciting. Deontay Johnson, you start him every week where you have him. Najee Harris, you start him. Everybody else, got to be deeper lineups for me. Pat Fryer, me, you can throw him in there. He's, again, just like one of the he's – the, he's in that group where if somebody gets hurt, he moves way up. But until then, you like Dallas Goddard. If you have him, you just dra- – you put him in there. And then maybe if you have bench space, you stash somebody with upside. But you're probably going to be just – Starting that guy all year and hoping that when it matters most, he's there for you. Yep, I agree with you there. Buffalo Bills, Baltimore Ravens. We saw Baltimore give up 460 yards and six scores to Miami. Last week against New England, Mac Jones actually had some pretty nice passes there for a little bit. Buffalo now going in, healthy Gabe Davis, Stefan Diggs, Josh Allen, that whole offense. Buff- Baltimore getting three points here, 51 and a half game total. This is another team where, at least with Buffalo, we like it because we kind of know where the ball is going. I mean, last week was a little bit different. Devin Singletary was targeted pretty heavily in that offense. I don't know if that's something we can count on moving forward, but what are your thoughts on how Buffalo's offense shaped out last week? Yeah, I mean, it's just you learn a lot when you see a team with their back against the ropes a bit, right? There's a lot of situations where you learn a lot. Like I love the Cowboys game when you see a pass interference in the end zone or a play that goes to the one-yard line. Just seeing which guy goes down and gets that play, you learn something, right? And we learned something about this Bills team because we've only seen them be kind of dominant the first two weeks. So now we know what it looks like when they're back against the wall, and it looks like a lot of Stephon Diggs and and Devin Singletary, like a lot of Devin Singletary. He played he played more snaps than Stephon Diggs. Gabriel Davis obviously played his full snap share on the other side. So you start Diggs, you start Davis, you start Singletary. That's where I'm at. Dawson Knox can't trust him. He's, he only ran 40. They threw the ball, or they dropped back 74 times. He only ran 44 of those. 30 pass plays, he was not running a route either because he was not on the field or because he blocked on seven pass plays again. This is the third time in a row that's happened. Just, you can't trust the guy. He's just touchdown or boom bust. Isaiah McKenzie, any interest, John? Are you doing that anywhere? Uh, I have some shares. I mean, I think I'm always, he's going to be a guy that's going to pop up at various times throughout the season with a touchdown catch here or there, but he's nothing more than a flex play for me if you have to play him. Now, the Ravens are the they're the true opposite example of the Jets because the Bears, we don't know if they're ever going to have those game scripts. The Ravens, they averaged 69 snaps a game last year, which led the league. This year, they have not had a single game with more than 60, 59 last week, and that was the highest yet. This team, we haven't even seen, which is crazy for guys like Mark Andrews, because we haven't even seen, it's been so efficient that we haven't really seen the full extent of what this offense can be if they do get into a shootout and they play 70, 
75, 80 snaps, which is of course possible. When you're going to average 69, you're going to have games with 80. I mean, the Bills last week played 91, right? So like if they come out and struggle versus the Bills or the Bills are putting up points on them, this could be the game where you finally see what the Ravens offense is fully like. See a lot of Rashad Bateman, Mark Andrews, a little more Devin DuVernay. Now, I mean, for me, you're starting Andrews, you're starting Bateman. Not can't really trust Duvernay. What did you think about the running back split here? I mean, you can't do anything with it yet. I think eventually Dobbins is going to get that job. It's his first game back. They're going to utilize him. They have to, in my opinion. But he's coming back from such a bad knee injury that I don't know how long it's going to take for them to utilize him. And the fact that Lamar Jackson still exists for me kind of downgrades a lot of that backfield until we finally see Dobbins maybe with like a 15-carry game where the game script is in his favor and we can see how they really plan to use him. Yep. Fully agree. Like, uh, can't start Justice Hill either. Uh, and next, after next week, we might actually see Gus Edwards return because the, the IR spot will be open. Uh, so we'll watch that as well. Uh, you can sell, Aaron, if you in Dynasty, if you can, if you still somehow have Justice Hill, sell him for like a fourth or fifth round pick or, or anything. Or anything. Or anything, yeah, anything, right? Yes, exactly. It's your uh, last chance. Arizona Cardinals, Carolina Panthers here. Panthers are a one and a half point home favorite, which I mean, I don't, it's a scary thought about Arizona there. 43 and a half game total, sorry, 43 game total on this one. There was a statistic the other day, Baker Mayfield has the lowest QBR in football. Bad. I tried to tell every single uh, one of you for years. You told us every Baker week. Baker Mayfield is the worst qu- uh, quarterback in football. Back-to-back weeks, what, uh, like an under, I think he was like an under 50% completion percentage last week. Like, he is yeah. so awful. It's, it's, him like, or, it's him or Justin Fields to, as the worst quarterback. But Fields at least has like a redeeming quality where like he can run. Like, can he, though? Yeah, he can if they let him. <laughs> if the offense lets, allows him to utilize we'll his running ability, so, but... So Justin Fields ranked QB 31, Taysom Hill QB 32, and then Baker Mayfield QB 33. That's the (laughs) the rankings. It's pretty pretty bad. It is bad, man. Poor DJ Moore. You know what I mean? I'm still starting him in a lot of places. I mean, I'm starting Christian McCaffrey everywhere I have him. I started DJ Moore. Don't even think about any of the other guys. Tommy Tremble, Ian Thomas, don't even think about it. Nope. Can't can't really play Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson got lucky week one. He had a 75-yard touchdown. That was it. Yeah, so I, I was actually, as I mentioned to you, I was actually at this. I was at this Cardinals game. We were out that way. I'll tell you, the AJ Green injury did not look. No, it looked like know. a torn ACL, but it wasn't. It was something else, but it looked like a torn ACL. It did not look like something you come right back and play this week on. No, they still got Greg Dortch though. Thankfully, Greg Dortch, for, is a star. Greg Dortch lined up in a slot. I thought Jalen Ramsey was going to eat him alive, and it wasn't the case. So. Uh, you start Marcus Brown everywhere. You start. You play Ertz. Uh, I saw a tweet out earlier that Ertz is, has like a pretty high target share in the red zone this year. He's got like he he's getting the looks. He's just not finishing the looks. Yeah, he'll be fine. He had dude. He had one this last week that he uh, it should have been a touchdown. Like he should have caught it. He got he jumped up in the end zone. Two hands on it. Nobody around. Just went through his hands. Should have been a better throw from Kyler Murray. Is what it really should have been. But he also should have caught it. One of those plays where they both probably were like, man, we missed that one. But he, I mean, he played 77 of 83 snaps. You're not going to get much better than that. Yeah. He ran 55 routes. It's like that dude is just lining up at wide receiver for this team because they have injuries to the wide receivers. So Marquise Brown, Zacherts, Greg Dorch, anywhere on the Rondale Moore front. No, you can't trust any of these other guys. Isabella, I haven't seen anything on Rondale. Obviously, when he comes back, I'll be pretty excited for his prospects there. But yeah, it's kind of tough to I, trust much. Uh, if Tyler's you, lack if, of rushing is a concern for me. No mobility out of him last week. I'd like to see... I'm, you, again, you draft Kyler Murray thinking that you're going to get 400, 500 yards rushing out of him this year. And so far, he's just chilling in the pocket. 
he's doing a lot of running around. He chills in the pocket. And he does a lot of running around behind the line of scrimmage, right. but then he inevitably throws it. You know what I mean? It's like he he's not really taking off. I think teams are doing a good job of spying him. That's what it seemed like the Rams did at this game because they let him run around quite a bit behind the line, but there was always someone kind of there forcing him to throw it. So he'll, he's going to have, he's quick enough. He's going to have some of those plays, but yeah, concerning for sure. And then Carolina back to back hundred yard games for Christian McCaffrey, but the lack of that upside we're used to seeing him out of the, out of the pass game is slightly concerning. Yeah. Uh, you next, start him every week. It's yeah, 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 you got to play him. But again, you're hoping that eventually Matt Rule maybe is like, huh, maybe we should throw to Christian McCaffrey more. And we'll see we'll right. see what happens there. Because Baker can't throw downfield. New England, Green Bay is a 10-point home favorite, a 40-and-a-half game total here. Brian Hoyer set the quarterback for New England. Rondre Stevenson and Damian Harris both looked good last week. But a uh, Brian Hoyer-led offense, take the under in this game. Don't touch it. I can't recommend starting any Patriots players, I don't think so. Devontae, I mean, because it's like Devontae Parker, sure, he had a good game, but he came off a game with zero catches. <laughs> Hunter Henry has five targets in the season. He Hunter Henry is like the, he's the front runner for the all-exercise team award tight end spot. He's ready, like like Cole Komet, he's running a lot of routes, but the Patriots are actually throwing more than the Bears, and he still only has five targets, so can't go there. Johnny Smith can't go there. Did you, see um, this, did you see the tweet earlier today that said that showed the graphic? The Patriots have the second lowest three and out percentage in football this year. It's at six percent of their drives go three and out, so they are moving the football, and then they were just stalling out like midfield. They, were, they would get the first down, they wouldn't go three and out, and then they would do nothing else with it. Yeah, I don't doubt it, man. So don't can't really do much there. I mean, if you want to, like, if you have nobody else and start, I think the Bunny Parker and, and those guys they benefited from Jacoby Myers being out of the lineup. He, obviously, right. again, that's that was their leading I mean, target guy. He didn't play. You saw Parker step up. Bourne got more snaps. Like, those guys kind of played. Aguilar played a little bit more. The one thing with Brian Hoyer, at least, is that he is a veteran quarterback, so I think he'll be maybe a little bit more calmer back there, and maybe they just make the offense simpler, so they get a lot of more of these short, intermediate routes, and maybe he targets the tight end a little bit more, but you're right. Like, these aren't must-start positions if you don't have green bay you can play both running backs but new england's defense has been like pretty good Good. right like lamar jackson got to them like yeah that's such a unique individual to defend right like the patriots are the worst team for fantasy football across the board yeah because their defense is just good enough to make the games bad like the over-unders when it's all said and done i wouldn't be surprised if this over-under dips below 40 right if this game's like 17 nothing would that shock you like it wouldn't surprise me exact kind of game that this that they've been kind of put together which sucks too because it hurts all the Packers guys like Lazard and Romeo Dubs played the whole game I don't mind starting either of those guys especially if you like dropped fab like if you went out and dropped all your fab on Romeo Dubs or used your number one overall waiver pick on Romeo Dubs then you kind of did that to use him so get go out and use him it's not like the Patriots have a shut down corner at this point anyway but you start Lazard Jones has been very good he held Bateman down pretty solid last week they got killed by Andrews Mark Andrews just tore him apart so yeah they'll get him in there Aaron Jones in there and then Aaron Rodgers like he's one of those guys where if you have nobody else then you just start him because he's Aaron Rodgers I agree Denver versus Las Vegas here Las Vegas 0-3 coming off a loss to the Tennessee Titans of all teams Mac Hollins with the monster day Devontae Adams had the touchdown but rather not quite the repeat performance many of the hoped after week one Denver shouldn't have won last week managed to win last week against San Francisco they're 2-1 and on the year now but that offense isn't really looking too great either Colton Sutton had the big game. Melvin Gordon got the rushing touchdown last week, but Javante Williams did a lot of the damage. How are we? How are we looking at this one? A forty-five and a half game total, two and a half point spread. 
I don't know. It's like these super teams. You make all these super teams and free agency and via trades and stuff. So far, hasn't really come together the way that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did during Brady's first year there. I mean, yeah, seems like some growing pains for sure. Definitely Chevy. some growing pains on the Denver side with play calling. Well, before uh, the snap is a nightmare for Denver. It's like insane. It's like a clown car at the way they're like moving everybody around. Every snap goes down to the last second before yeah. they, they snap the ball. It's like, it's been Just pretty let Russ call his place. Right? <laughs> like, right, yeah. Get Judy open, get Sutton open, let Russ figure it out. The Raiders, I mean, Again, they're 0-3. They just had a really bad loss against Tennessee. Their defense has been terrible through the first couple weeks of the season. I I don't even, like, why is Devontae Adams not getting the target share that he got in week one? Like, I understand defenses are clearly keying in on him. And that's why you've been seeing guys like Matt Collins have a big day. But Waller last week and Adams, both not really as involved as most people would have figured they'd be. Yeah, it's, I mean, and Adams expresses frustration. So I think we're going to see the squeaky wheel gets the grease game here where he's just going to get peppered. It should be the Randy ratio. I've said this like every podcast, but like your best player on the field should have X amount of snaps in order to win. Like that's just how it should be. Your team. Well, Adams played every snap. It's the target. Sorry. I mean, targets, target share, right? Like Devontae Adams needs 10 targets a game minimum, or we're not going to win a football game. Exactly. Something like that. Yep. I think it should, like, Adams and Waller, you start everywhere. This excitement about Matt Collins, people running out, grabbing him off waivers. Like, Hunter Renfro got hurt. Yeah. Hunter Renfro didn't pray, play. So, for me, I'm not nearly as excited. Maybe it'll work out for you, dude, but I don't know. I think it goes back to being Adams, Waller, and Renfro had a concussion, so it's not like he's going to miss the entire, I mean... It's hard to say with the head injuries, but usually those guys are back within a couple of games. So and the one thing that Hollins has going with him is size. He's a really big wide receiver. Yeah, so, he is. Um, you know, his touchdown catch, he just went up and grabbed it over the defender there. So that I agree with you. And, and the running still. games here, it's Denver splitting the carries is frustrating for Javante Williams managers there. Jacobs led the team in carries last week. That's just going to be his job until it isn't. Yeah. Jacobs, you start every week. I think Jacobs start every week. Javante Williams start every week. Melvin Gordon, if you got to, then use him. But he's just not super exciting. Yep, I agree. I did get the touchdown run, much to the dismay of Javante Williams. Management. Naturally. Kansas City, Tampa Bay, Sunday night. This game is going to likely be played at neutral field. I don't know if you saw that report. With the yeah. hurricane in Florida, that game may be played in Minnesota. So not the home field advantage, but they are going to be on, on turf, which maybe will help Kansas City a bit here. Tampa Bay's defense has been good. Their offense has been nothing, but at least Mike Williams should be back in this one. They had to sign Cole Beasley last week. Scotty Miller. Chris Godwin's still out. Julio Jones is still out. Tom Brady not looking good right now. Kansas City again lost last week against the Colts. How are we? Uh, how are we taking a look at this matchup? Russell, Russell Gage. That's it. Yeah. Leonard Fournette. Obviously, you start Leonard Fournette. He's playing a massive snap share. Continues to fifty nine to sixty five snaps. I mean, doesn't get much better for a running back. So you just get him in there. Cameron Brate playing a ton of snaps. Man, he's just not. Doesn't really deliver, but maybe a DFS start throw on Kansas City side. Obviously, you start Kelsey. You start Mahomes. Juju. Is there any anyone else that you're kind of feeling from these wide receivers, John? MVS, Mecole. I mean, they're Not playing. Really. I mean, but, I'm just waiting yeah. for one of them to get consistent and break out. It'd be nice, right? Yeah, I will continue to sort of maybe throw some darts at, at MVS, but that's about it. Again, this isn't a good matchup for them. Tampa Bay still has a good defense. So they seem to have drafted Sky Moore in the second round to he attempt a fair, fair catch punts. <laughs> yeah. yeah, which he didn't even do this week. But yeah. like that's basically all he's been doing. I mean, he had a pretty nice one week too, but it's just like. Yep. He's not doing anything. Pacheco's not playing. So if you have Clyde Edwards, Clyde Edwards Hilaire is still splitting though with Jarek McKinnon. So just kind of ugly. We don't like to see it, but yeah. Play uh, those by year. 
Yeah, Monday, Monday night football game. Rams versus 49ers here. 49ers are two and a half point favorites. Does that surprise you at all? On paper, on paper, before the season started, this would have been like a block. It felt like it would have been a blockbuster week. Denver, Las Vegas, Kansas City, Tampa Bay, Rams, 49ers, and none of these games are now exciting just due to different injuries and circumstances that have come up. I mean, like Denver and Las Vegas don't even have injuries in that game. It should be exciting, but it doesn't seem like it's going to be. So I don't know. In this one, with the Rams, you got to start Cooper Cup, right? You got to start. Now, with Cam Akers, again, I was at that game, and people had the first game with five yards per carry, but he didn't look great. Like, he had the one big run with the touchdown. touchdown Right, which was, yeah. I I think they want Cam Akers to be their starting running back. So, like, I'm willing to continue to play Cam Akers here because I think that's what that offense wants him, needs him to be, truthfully. But Daryl Henderson was coming in for all the pass plays, so it's like... In the, I think this is going to be a game in the Rams game script favor, even though oddly San Francisco is favored here. That's what I'm I, saying. I don't get it. I don't get that either. Yeah. So uh, get K makers in there on the San Francisco side, John, are you, I mean, if yeah, George Kittle's you, active, are you going to yeah, play I mean, I think you can play the, the receivers. Yeah. Again, I know it's a tougher matchup against St. Louis, but or it's not uh, Las Vegas. Los Angeles, rather, not Los Angeles, St. Louis. Yeah. The Rams keep on changing where they're playing. Los Angeles there. Diva Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Jeff Wilson. Yeah, I said before, Buffalo at quarterback solidifies sort of the roles and expectations of all those players. You don't have Trey Lance playing the RPO game and, and stealing carries and runs and all those things. And we know that Garoppolo is generally a, a more accurate quarterback. Last week, we didn't really see that. But I, would, I have expectations that that team, that that offense, you can at least count on those players in their roles to be there. Can Garoppolo be productive enough? Can they call the right plays? I think that's another thing that they have to have some adjustments. I don't know if you saw the video going off on Twitter and more people trying to read lips than anything, but basically you see Jimmy G's mouth being like, your plays effing suck, man. After he threw like an incomplete or whatever, or an interception, people were saying he's upset with Kyle Shanahan's decision play calling making. So we'll see. Yeah. So, I mean, like it hurt. If Trent, Will, Trent Williams is a high ankle sprain, there's no surgery required, but he's going to miss multiple games. So it makes the running game a lot less interesting too. It's just, yeah. But yeah, you can't not start Debo at the very least. Yeah, you got to play Debo again. You had the touchdown catch there, didn't he? And then Critic Kill made his first to his debut. So yeah. I think all of those guys are in play with Garoppolo there. But it's a tough matchup, like I said, against the Rams. I'm a little surprised they are favored at home at two and a half points. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. That's week four. Coop, any final thoughts for everybody? No, that's it. I mean, like, again, we're getting a bigger sample size. We're doing our best here. I'm excited to see what happens with these matchups. I hope what I hope for this week is I hope a lot of these teams that were supposed to be good show us what they really can be. And then we'll have a lot more excitement moving forward, because right now with these teams playing below where they're supposed to be, it's hard to get excited about some of these games. But if the Broncos and the Raiders come out and they really flash, then it could make things really exciting for the rest of the season. So yep. that's what I'm rooting for. I want to see some I want to see some good games out of these teams that have struggled a little bit. Yeah, I agree with you there. So that wraps it up. Week four, quick out of fantasy football podcast. Coop and I will be on the Better Sports Network Sunday, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern, breaking down the matchups, answering your start sits, giving you all the injury updates as well. So make sure you join us there. Get in the premium Discord. If you're not already a member of Fantasy Alarm, you can get your questions in and have your start sit questions answered live. But for now, Coop and I will catch you guys next week.